A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Egg Chasers. This is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, a podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Here with you 52 weeks a year. And here with you today with all kinds of stuff going on, on and off the field. So let's get straight into it. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, JB is right there. Hello, Tim. How are you? Uh, good. How's the rugby dungeon looking? You tidied it anytime uh, recently? No, it looks like a hellhole, actually. The rugby hellhole. Uh, I've been away I've been away basically most of this week in Wales. Uh, second week in Beard, Beardmore and Co. Independent Financial Advisors. So I've had to spend the week down there. So it's not quite as tidy as it normally is. Well, are, are those are those goats still infesting Landud now? No, the goats have moved back up into the hills now, thankfully. But I don't, I don't know if I mentioned this this before, but goats in the daytime are no problem. I remember getting uh, rather drunk as a young man, and about three in the morning, you'd run into these goats, and they're terrifying. Right, you know, right at night, you just see these tiny little um, beady the way that lies, uh, eyes light up at night. And then the horns, it's terrifying. <laughs> JB, do you remember being in um, Gora in Hakone in Japan and coming out of a bar at like midnight and there was a family of wild boar running around the town? Wait, hang on, Hakone. No, Hakone. I don't tell you why. Because in Hakone, that was, uh, I was just trying to think where Hakone was. Um, in Hakone, I took the two days literally just to recuperate. I don't think I even oh. went out. You d- you spent a lot of time actually in the hotel, didn't you? <laughs> a lot, <laughs> well, because in the cities, I was able to stay up until five a.m. drinking and whatnot most m- most nights. Well, in the national park, there's nothing to do, and I've not. We never adjusted back. We never adjusted to Jap- Japanese time. So in Hokone, I was sleeping all through the day, and having to deal all through the night. It was awful. <laughs> Wild boars in the town. Well, there might be a tiger. Oh, so hello, Phil. By the way. Hello, sorry for uh, no, not no, allowing no. you to introduce me. Sorry for not introducing you. Um, <laughs> th- there might well be a tiger roaming around in Japan sometime soon uh, in the form mm. of Manu Tuolangi, who is kind of homeless, kind of not. What, c- does anyone know exactly what's going on at Leicester Tigers? No, not really. So, and not even the CEO seems to know. So I watched the live stream with Andrea Pynchon and fair play to Tigers. Trying to, they are, it's a different one. Certain aspects, I can see they're trying to manage it well by being as transparent as they can. And they were quite transparent, weren't they? They were saying, look, this is the situation. If they don't sign these contracts by this time, they're, they're, they are going. And that's exactly what happened. I don't think they've been transparent in other ways, as in I do think they can, can afford these players. And I don't think they're doing the right thing by the players or by the club by demanding that the players sign at this time or off they go. And I don't think they're doing it right legally either. I'm pretty sure Manu has got a very good case to bring against Leicester Tigers. Uh, and Leicester Tigers are effectively, from what I can see, trying to leverage the fact that Manu and George Ford and Genge 
have all got England money and they can leverage that against them. Because if they're not playing for Tigers, they're not playing for England. And that's a lot of money. So on the, because the, there's a few strands to this. Yeah. Um, the, the legal one is interesting because I, I would be like you. I would assume that Tigers don't have a leg to stand on. No. And, um, but the way that they're acting looks like they they at least believe they've got an argument because if um, what I mean by that is they, they've been pretty bold in offering these contracts and giving the, the players an ultimatum to walk away and at five or six depending on whether Jordan Taufua is in or out five yeah, or Ta- six are walking away so Taufua according to multiple news outlets has left Tigers. Taufua, according to a lot of Leicester Tigers fans and people who are you know, with good, substantial knowledge of Tigers, not just you know, anonymous Twitter accounts or whatnot, say that he is in quarantine and coming back. And Andrea Pinchin, in her interview, said five people had left and did not mention Taufua. So I have but, no idea. But there was, a, there was an edit in her video. It was there? In the list of players, there was an edit around the, the second or third player that she named, which... People, the, the conspiracy theory is she named Taufua, but then there is uncertainty even within Tigers over whether he's returning or not. Whether it's five or six, and there was, it, it was potentially more as well because uh, two very high-profile players in George Ford and Ellis Genge have now signed to stay on yeah. what is reported to be 25% pay cuts, which... Uh, amounts to a pay cut of more than £100,000 or £100,000 or more for those two players. So, so it's massive pay cuts. So let me talk you through a few things that I think. And if anyone else wants to jump in, please do, because I'll be talking for a little while. So feel free to interrupt me whenever. Of the players that left, no, of the guys giving an ultimatum, George Ford, Ellis Genge and um, Manu all had international money on the table. So let's say they are um, picked continuously. They earn 250000 each for England. Leicester effect, uh, know that if they say to them, you can't play here and they can't get a, a club or have to go overseas, the RFU will then enforce the, the international rule, which means they've got an awful big stick to beat the Leicester Tigers players with, which is why I thought it was particularly unfair on people like Genge and people like Ford. And actually, probably, you know, it's probably a good reason to scrap the... Um, that clause that you have to play in, Eng- play in England to play for England because it just gives the club too much power to wield somebody else's money against you. I think that's really unfair. Well, it, so, it, it only does wield that power when the clubs have this embargo that they're not going to sign any other players. Yeah, any, no, no, they, they, they've stitched normal, it all up. Yeah, at normal times, they'd, they'd just go to wherever, go to Sale yeah. or Exeter or Bath or Harlequins. So, interestingly, um, there are some clubs out there who think that because Leicester Tigers released Manu, that they can sign him now. There's two clubs that think that. Well, so I, I would argue they could always have signed them because if they had the agreement amongst themselves that they can't sign him, then that could be some kind of um, anti-competition collusion pact. 100%. 100%. So I, I, think, I think they could have signed them all along and it's only their... Um, honour amongst thieves that stops them from signing them. Anyway. Great way of putting it, Phil. Right. That's exactly the phrase that I was going to use too. Uh, yeah, but now they've sort of... Well, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because you're right, legally, I'm pretty sure that's a restraint of trade or there's some legal terminology for it. Basically, I'm sure you can't do it. 
Yeah. So the first club to break rank, I mean, what are they risking? They're basically risking the future wrath of the club at a later date. That's what they're doing. So I, I do think Manu will re-sign in the Premiership somewhere. So Leicester, in my mind, are acting as if they think they've got a pretty good defence against having to pay the loss of earnings for Manu. So what I mean by that is, if Manu were to sign for a another club, and we might come on to speculate about what that club might be in a little while, but if he were to sign for another club for less than he his um, salary was previously, he could then put in a claim for loss of earnings yep. through Leicester. So let's say he was earning half a million pounds at Leicester. He then signs for, I don't know, Sale, someone like that, for so, 300k, but then he could put in a claim to Leicester for that lost 200 grand. Which would come out of their salary cap. Yeah, which they'd be paying out and um, would come out of their salary cap. And they have even less access to Manu than they did when he was playing for them while he wasn't injured or playing for England. So that seems like a pretty big risk from Leicester. But there's also a bit of a risk from Manu in this because he... So Leicester had on the table uh, 375k, we're going to assume because they had 75% of his um, agreed contract. Now, Manu would be foolish to sign for anything less than that, that 375k position, because he had a guaranteed 375k. If he signs for any less than that, he'll get, say, 350k, but then an uncertain remainder up to the 500k that would at least have risk around it in court fees and all the rest of it. So Manu is... In my mind, he'd be he'd be mad to sign for anything less than say 400k or like a good chunk above what Leicester had on the table, because otherwise he he just risks the the legal battle and the uncertainty over that additional money. So he's not going to be dirt cheap for any Premiership club. I wouldn't have thought, but he might still be good value. So I thought a different way, which is he can sign for a lower amount and then go back and sue Leicester Tigers for the amount of over that which he would have lost. Yeah, but that is still uncertain. As in, yeah. he, he doesn't know. I mean, he, he might believe that he's got 100% watertight case, um, in which case that there is no uncertainty. But at least Leicester are acting as if he doesn't have a 100% watertight case. Because if he does, if, if he has got a 100% watertight case, then the Leicester decision seems daft. The England money, for me, is a bit which is really unfair because it forces these guys to have to play maybe at a reduced rate. If there is a deal between premiership clubs to oh, yeah. stiff arm the players by not signing anyone else who's oh, yeah. had an ultimatum put in front of them. If it was an open market, the best players, the guys that were playing for England, would probably have several offers on the table. Absolutely correct there. I guess the point I'd make is what you describe, that collusion between the clubs, if it exists... If... If it existed, which they'd never do that, but if it did, <laughs> would affect Kyle Eastmond as much as it does Manu. But Kyle Eastmond could say, I'm going to go to France because he can, whereas Manu can only play in England. And that's why it affects Manu more than it affects Kyle. Yeah, but it only affects him if there is that collusion. Yeah, if, if there, which if. of course uh, there isn't. <laughs> so, any, um, any inkling as to where Manu might end up? Well, he's okay. already, already, he was instantly linked with Sale and Bristol, who have now distanced themselves. Surely, Brist, surely Bristol don't have much room left in that cap. 
Right. Okay. Let me tell you right now. Okay. I have no inside knowledge of this. I have spoke to nobody about it. I don't know anything other than what I'm about to say, which is pure speculation, as it always is. If it's going to happen, I think it'll happen. It would happen at sale. Now I know they've got some cap room left. It appears they've made use of, or they could they could make use of the accidental loophole that presented itself by having by having renegotiated everyone's contracts before eight, the 18th of June. So only 75% of it counts. Yeah, purely coincidental, as you well know. Purely coincidental. <laughs> uh, Sale, particularly Steve Diamond, has got an incredible track record of signing players, not necessarily that he needs, but players that give him value as and when they appear. I mean, that could be Marlon Yard, but before that, it could be Danny Cipriani. Yeah, it's not so much, does the guy fit into my system? It's, can I get value? Can I get it now? And we'll worry about the system later. And then he hammers him into place. If, they, if Manu does have a case to reclaim um, loss of earnings due to a breach contract, if that is something that's on the table, then 100% sale will be low-balling Manu with that. Big, totally. Big yeah, I, I can... I, I can see it happen. It's happened before. You mentioned Marlon Yard but, and, and Sippers, but Mark Wilson, Chris Ashton, James O'Connor, like others as well have been brought in in circumstances where there's a bit of um, uproar. When they see value and they think it can add to the squad, they, they will go out there and get it, even if they've got strength in that position. And in Van Rensburg, actually, that's a lie. In Van Rensburg, they have a player that's nothing like Manu because he plays 12. He plays 12. Yeah, the two of them yeah. together, I, I, I looked up their combined weights. 35 stone, that a centre partnership <laughs> would be. I, I tell you what, where is safer for Manu to play? And on the bench behind Sam, behind Sam Jeff. <laughs> Save himself for England. Exactly. It worked so well. The, the only thing that, the questions that that would raise would then be, I, um, Leicester have probably rightly had some criticism for uh, reducing and offering their players reduced payments. Mm. Sale have reduced everyone. It, it said everyone in Sale Sharks has taken a pay cut as part of these renegotiations. They then bring in Manu, who would be, even if he was not on full Leicester money, he'll be on big money. And they're talking about spending what would be tens of millions of pounds on a new stadium. And it just doesn't feel like the the contradiction yeah. from saying that their own players need to, and staff and not just playing staff but staff behind the scenes who who have had to take this pay cut for the good of the club on one hand, but then on the other hand you're signing Manu and you make Bobby. a really good point. And what's that phrase? Never never waste a, never waste a crisis. Well, I would say this in every in every negotiation you want to give away something uh, in order to gain the thing which you value. Or the other side is, is what you, JB, you raised very early with the Leicester and some clubs have done this. Northampton and Saracens, I know, have done this because they've announced that they've done this, which is, yes, we are going to give you a, a 10 or 25 or whatever it is, a, a reduction now, but there will be routes back to that money on performances or even just profitability yeah. further down the line. So we're not saying that this is a, a total reduction in salary, but there are opportunities to get that back. And on that one, I think that's where your short-term versus long-term might come into play, what you were talking about, JB. Because, for example, if what we're hearing about Northampton is the case, that Chris Boyd has told his whole squad and has negotiated with the, the management of the club, 12.5% reduction, which will be reinstated back up to full amount once the crowd is back, 
that's the that could be the kind of thing that when you think about the ripples of this in three years time players who have a choice of several clubs might go no do you know what the honor and the the honesty in a club like Northampton that's where I want to be there will be some players that will just go oh no I'll just go to the highest bidder but there will be that it's the sort of thing that could play to your advantage and I've spoken to some players where I'm aware there were certain clubs that during certain time periods that they just said, I don't care what they'd offer. I would, I, I, I would never consider going to that club for the kind of reason that I'm insinuating mm. now. Yeah. I, I think, you know, if someone said to me, here's a pay cut, there's a route back to this. This is why we're doing it. We'll open the box. I, would, I could go along with that. Something which people don't talk about, and it has been mentioned in the press and fairness, but they don't talk about it enough, is the Leicester Tigers contracts that we're offering the players gave them no route back to the money. And I think that's a really important part. They were just like, sign this, boys. 25% reduction, and you've got no claim back to your money. And that's why they didn't want to sign it. It's not because necessarily they, wanted, they didn't want the 25% pay cut. It's because they thought, no, that is clearly unfair. We're signing away our rights for no particular reason. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other clubs have done it very much more, um, you know, in, you know in, in a more cooperative way. And I think that's made a huge difference. And I think, Tim, the, the, the point on the the implications of how this has been managed club by club will be, they'll be magnified over a longer period of time, actually, I think. Because you, you'll, you'll get a lot of clubs who've, they've cut a bit of fat and they've cut some of their younger players now to, to help them cut their cloth accordingly. Um, but they have all managed it in different ways, some of which will um, play well to the fans and the player base, and some of which will not play well naming no names on that and I th- but I think that will it will harm their long-term cohesiveness and potentially long-term performance by yeah. that poor management now uh, and the last thing on this which I'm going to remember yes how do Tigers bring in anyone though is beyond me because if everyone's taking a 25% pay cut and then Manu walks out the door and Bateman walks out the door and all the other guys walk out the door my first question is well, can I have my 25% back now? Because all these guys have gone. Give me my... And it's not been done in the best way possible. So, Leicester Tigers, there's no way they can bring in lads. No way. Well, they're going to have to because you've got... Like, squads, squad depth is important. And it's not like Leicester were tearing up trees before this. So, oh. losing, losing some of their best players. Like, who are the guys that are left at Leicester Tigers? Legitimately, I think this could be one of the worst Premiership squads ever to take the field. I mean, I know it sounds like a big shout, and they've got one or two superstars, but you can't lose Vianu. Vianu! Vianu! Yeah. May! Manu. Can I just say, by the way, my fantasy rugby draft team, if it comes back, has been obliterated. Vianu <laughs> and Tom Marshall, gone. That's my uh. back three, ruined. My season's over. <laughs> But at least the Tigers could hang their hat on the fact they had an all-star backline and when it all clicks, it, it, you know, had the potential to be incredible. Not anymore. They're, they're, I mean, the two best forwards um, when when you could get them both on the on the field, uh, Taufua and uh, Guy Thompson. Gone. gone. Yeah, the yeah. two guys that got them like powerful go forward, bang, gone. Uh, Manu, yeah. your other guy to get go forward, bang, gone. Taufu in particular, I mean, that's the guy you want to throw the money at. I think this is an all-time terrible Leicester team for next year. They better hope that there's ring fencing, because otherwise they'll be... Re- <laughs> well, well, this, let- this would be the worst Leicester team in the yeah. last three years, 
and of lesser teams that have finished 11th for the last two years. So, and, and only just uh, once, once only just by performance, and once only just because Saracens got relegated. So, I mean, there are books, aren't there? And um, someone needs to write this book. Uh, and usually the books are, you know, Dynasty, how to build the New England Patriots, or so. Like this book is how to how to tear down an institution. <laughs> I mean, let's broaden this out because these are dark times for rugby in general. Well, I quite like talking about them, though. I mean, it's great there's, there's rumours that, that there's uh, unrest at London Irish. Um, so they announced eleven players going this week, didn't they? Yeah, I have no idea. So I've. <laughs> I have been on Twitter infrequently, but intensely. <laughs> you, you did. You told me halfway through last week that you'd you'd locked it off. You didn't have access to it. Gone. I I have to log on to it now. I actually have to physically type, type a keyboard. So because I'm on infrequently but ferociously, <laughs> uh, you're like an impact sub, impact tweeter. Yeah, like Ola, like Olegola Solskjaer back in the day. <laughs> goals, go home. Just to just to broaden it out, this is um, uh, and, and you mentioned ring fencing. I, I'm I'm generally against it, but I'm just wondering if it's the only way out of this for some I of these clubs. I told you before, boys. It's the naughty step. The naughty step is, <laughs> and people think I'm mad. They think I'm, they thought I was mad when I said get rid of the knock on. No, I was right then. I'm right now. The only way we can square this circle is to have the naughty step. One club does not play for, play for the whole year and all the other clubs fund them. That's the only way to do it. With funding where it is currently and financials where they are currently, I'm not sure that's going to work. Um, there's also the French, uh, the French clubs and maybe premiership clubs. I can't remember the story now, but basically saying to the national teams, no, you're not having access to our players for as, long, for as much as you want in the autumn. Uh, you're, you're only getting your allocated time, which is throwing spanners in the works for the potential international rugby that they want to have this year. So at every turn, wherever you look, there is turmoil. There is nobody pulling in the same direction. There's no solutions. There's just more problems. And I don't see a way out of it at the minute. There, there are some glimmers of hope, I, I think. I mean, very, very small glimmers. For instance, I think Super Rugby might have accidentally fixed itself with these regional tournaments. I think that's a, a really positive thing. Um, and that's it, really. Yeah, that is it. <laughs> that's the only um, so, silver lining. I mean, Leicester Tigers might finally realise that they've been, you know, ran into the ground. You know, the, the salary cap spending is shambolic. I think maybe a lot of the clubs that have been well run will continue to be well, continue to be well run and clubs that spend, I don't know, Nine hundred thousand or whatever they spend on a single second row, they will. Uh, I know that the rumored the rumored salary of Adam Coleman, great bloke, <laughs> good rugby may- player. But my, like, can you even even when there wasn't a global pandemic and a and a shortening of income and stuff, that looked if that salary is correct, that looked insane. I, I could only comprehend that as being like a three year deal like that. that you could get. You could get three f- very talented, like international caliber talented second rows for that money. You could get six Tim Swinsons. Think about that. At least. <laughs> you, can have one on, you can have your whole back five Tim Swinson and then one on the bench. <laughs> and and to, have, uh, to, I understand they were going, right, we're speculating to accumulate. We're going to spend an absolute fortune. We're going to spend £5 million on 
seven players, but this is to survive. And they and they do that in the year that they didn't need to survive. <laughs> they don't need to. <laughs> but at least did did you did you see the shot of um, Sean O'Brien? There's no. a picture of him this week running. Looking impressive. Oh, looking in fine fettle. His shoulders and guns are just his arms just look unreal. As big as Johnny Sexton's uh, last week. <laughs> <laughs> Close. Almost, almost as big. So there you go. That's that's one. That's one positive. The shape that Sean O'Brien's in. Yes. Is, uh, let's let's hang um, the future of rugby on Sean O'Brien's guns. Yeah. I, I just I just hope we can actually see. I hope for London Irish's fans and wage bill that we can actually see a bit of his talent before the end of this season. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh... I'm I'm really worried. I'm really really worried. Yeah, I, I just don't see solutions at the minute. And uh, there's so many stakeholders that are rightfully trying to get their pound of flesh, but it's all at the expense of someone else's pound of flesh. Yeah, it's a big. If old... They're fighting over one carcass that is rotting. The longer it takes to get sorted. Yeah. Um. On on that. Um. And what might in long term be a bit of a solution for some things. Did you see the news coming out of France um, yesterday, today, about the CVC deal for the Six Nations? No. Which Bernard Laporte, apparently, in a um, Federation of French Rugby meeting, announced or released that um, there is a deal that has been done for CVC to buy a stake into the Six Nations, which translates to 75 million, uh, 75 million euros of funding directly to the French rugby union over the next five years. And one would assume equal parts because they're, um, I assume they're equal stakeholders, the, the different unions or possibly Italy have got a, a, sl- a minority stake, but it's, you're talking big money going to all of the unions over the next five years for this. It's, it's buy now, pay later. That's all it is. It, it's the same as going and getting a bloody new, new look store card. Uh, rugby doesn't have an income problem. It has an expenditure problem. It's got to stop bloody spending. And that, that's, that's the issue. Giving away large bits of capital to CVC is not the answer. It never has been the answer. It never will be, be, be the answer. Fair play to CVC. I mean, the guys that are driving around in the Ferraris and Bentley's there deserve every penny because they are holding rugby over a barrel. Yeah, maybe, maybe we see a small increase in, in the game. But that's all they're doing. They're giving away the game right now for a quick fix of cash, but they're not sorting out the systemic problem, which is they're spending too much. Well, maybe, maybe this and having someone else, um, another pair of eyes looking at this and looking at the, the marketability of the game will help. Um... The last thing we need, right? I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, Phil, because I'm pro- sure what you're about to say is far more sensible than what I'm about to say. Uh, <laughs> But like, not even the marketing. I had a big old rant about this uh, the week before. The marketeers involved in the game now, they act like they don't even like the game. In fact, I think the (laughs) marketing that people in the unions do, and particularly in charge of the leagues, the more that they do, the worse it gets. It's kind of like watching um, Alex Cuthbert play rugby. The more he tries, (laughs) the worse it gets. We don't want these people marketing because they're rubbish at it. Well, maybe that's where CVC can actually add some value, and, and I'm, I'm I'm still I'm still broadly optimistic about that. Although I have to say, from their um, involvement so far in the Premiership, I've seen no, absolutely no sign in the improvement of the marketability of the product, either from like the the direct communication side of things 
or as I've repeatedly said for the last few weeks, the um, increasingly erratic decisions that the clubs appear to be making to harm the, the value of their own product. Yeah. And, and like you say, CVC fair play, uh, and it seems great because it's all oh, look, we, there's a big, there's a nice little suitcase full of cash there. But is this it, all, as you say, the way that the clubs are harming their own interests, the way that they give, the way that the game is giving bits and bits away, bit by bit, to private equity? Is it going to be, as if we look back in 10 years' time, death by a thousand cuts? I'm yeah, worried. It's, it's like uh, CVC give, give a club a load of cash, and the first thing that they do. Uh, is by like, a big screen. Uh, literally, one of the one of the clubs went out and bought a big screen. Now, I, I mean, if you want an analogy, that is literally like uh, someone going and buying a widescreen TV on a credit card. If you've got cash, don't go and buy a widescreen TV. Go and invest the money. Go buy some assets. Go and do something which can create you some more revenue. Don't buy a bloody TV. I mean, most of the CV- CVC money got packaged up into suitcases and given to like. Franco, Most- Franco Mostar and Faf de Klerk and you know it's it's absolutely ridiculous. It, it has basically bought a lot of houses in five <laughs> in five years time in South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand. <laughs> Paid off some directors' loans. Thanks, guys. Cheers. <laughs> uh, <sighs> what a sport! What a great sport! Yeah. Should we, should we do something a bit more optimistic and should we, should we talk about the the one um, shining light that JB highlighted before? Super the rugby at Aria. Yeah, so, right. So, first thing I want to say about Arturoa. Um, when they announced it, uh, at least they thought a little bit about the name. So, I didn't know what Arturoa meant, but I kind of thought, yeah, it's in Maori and it'll mean something. And it turns out it does mean something. It means New Zealand. It's pretty cool. Australia pulled off the same trick. And what do they call it? Super Rugby AU. Rubbish. <laughs> Absolutely rubbish. They could have come up with all sorts. Ah, well. What, but uh, do you know in this uh, in this weird parallel universe in the southern hemisphere where there's crowds and there's actual rugby being played, it's it's also surreal in the sense that Warren Gatland can't win for Toffee. Yeah. yeah. Now I've, this is the only game of the weekend I've not seen in full. So my, someone's through it. My beloved Hurricanes, absolutely beloved Hurricanes. Um, the the better team throughout, actually, even despite playing most of the second half without um, Scott Scrafton, who got first a yellow card for team infringements and then a red card for, again, team infringements, but closer to the line. Um, so they, they played 25 minutes of the 40 minutes in the second half without him. But mm. the Canes were the better team yeah. right, right, right from the start. It felt like Pack performed well. Back row performed really well for the Hurricanes. Um, outside backs did, did enough. Jody Barrett looking good. On his return, uh, and he, he's another. Um, we're talking about the DMAC and Bowden Barrett um, options at 15 that New Zealand have, and he's another uh, 15 in that mould who's lightning fast, good boot on him, great pair of hands, can come in as a second playmaker, second distributor. Um, and he's got a fact about him, too. He's got he's a bit a, of what? Fact about him, he's a strange player. He, he's a weird player because he's so. He's so tall. I mean, he's six foot five. Have you mentioned that we might think he's a little bit like? Uh, Ma- yeah, I, I've I've said it for a while. So basically, since Chris Boyd went over to Northampton, I was optimistic that Boyd would get the best out of Malinder, and then injuries have kind of limited that. Yeah, so yeah. far. 
But also, um, the All Blacks have got a, a little bit of a weapon in his boot. Because that, yeah. that, that penalty, metres to spare, and he put it over from, what, 60 metres? It was 50, they said 58 metres in comms. But that, was had, to the, that was to the side of the post, though. Yeah. Which adds but, distance. But it was, yeah. So, and he had, a, a, I would say, at least five yards on that as well. And, and he hit it like, a, uh, like an NFL field goal kicker, the way that normally the, the standing foot remains planted. Yeah. And he, he didn't. He kicked it and he's, he, was in, he was in the air. His follow through, that, you're right. He, he properly went for that. As, as in like, I can't imagine he gets that much accuracy using that technique all the time, but he at least gets the distance, yeah. which will keep defenses honest if you've got that option on the field. And imagine, imagine that when he's playing in South Africa, uh, um, altitude. Oh, wow. He probably had another 10 plus meters to that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, They've had some. Go go on. On, go on. No, 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 you go on. I say, Hurricanes have had some un, unfortunate losses, and it seems in Super Rugby that all the losses are magnified. So you watch the game, there's not much in it, and then last 10, 20, 20 to 10 minutes, 10 to 20 minutes, uh, it just it just goes off. They're actually a pretty deep, pretty deep squad. Yeah, it's not a bad squad. I mean, so if you look at some of the players that Canes have lost in the last five years, so like um, five years ago, it was Bowden Barrett, uh, Julian Surveyor. Um, you had uh, Nonu and Comrade Smith in the centres. You had Jason Woodward in your back three. So like you take those, well, all of those players out of the team. From, from that team that won it, um, that was a team in 2015. They won it a couple of years later. Um, but only really uh, TJ Perinara is still in from that kind of era. So there's quite a big turnover of players. Um, and So you're always going to like lose a bit of that strength and depth. But they, they've, they've got a decent enough squad. And they, and they, were, they were the better team against, against the Chiefs in this game. Yeah. Did you see the Crusaders game? Only the highlights. Wow. I mean, I said last week, didn't I, think about the Crusaders wasn't too kind. Something along the lines of, um, I don't think they'd do well in the Northern Hemisphere. I take that back. I completely... <laughs> uh, they're so smart. Uh, I, didn't, I think the first two games I watched them, maybe what I was seeing is a team warming up. You know, they weren't quite hitting their straps. But everything I saw from it, I mean, they are brittle. That's what I'll say. They are brittle. They are prone to um, a sort of catastro- catastrophic failure. But when you score 40 points, you can have the odd catastrophic failure. And it doesn't really, it's not that catastrophic, really. Um, the Highlanders, Highlanders two tries, they came in like a 10-minute window in the yeah. first half. Um, the second of which, uh, which was the, it was Highlanders' own line-out that went awry that Aaron Smith picked the ball up and that was just absolutely out of this world by Aaron Smith. Oh. Not, only, not only the acceleration and the power to get through that gap, the, the option to pick the pass, but then if you watch him, the timing f- for the scrum off to get there just after the clearers had got there and his pass was so fast, so crisp and so like the, it was the perfect way he moved scrum half play. It was amazing. Yeah, he's so good. But it's, it's, I, the, it's the breathing uh, that, uh, that Aaron Smith's been doing some of that breathing that England did last year and that um, you saw on the last dance. 
Yeah, so, um, Dan McFarland. Yeah, yeah, great. yeah. Ulster boss, you pr- pride Ulsterman Dan McFarland. Clocked it, uh, didn't he? I would not want to question Dan McFarland in any way. He's a far superior coach and has far better knowledge than humble yeah, old me. And, and uh, from the time I've spoken to him, he is a, he's very, very big on the... Witchcraft? The, 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 um, the togetherness, the psychology of a team. Um, and all of that. He's very, very big on that. So, I, I'll, yeah, he... This is nonsense. We can agree. <laughs> nonsense, right? I mean, what was his tweet? Like, to communicate things that were far more effectively than words ever could. That's not true. That is not true. I mean, if he wanted to prove that, maybe he could get a group of soldiers to do non-verbal breathing communication during a firefight. Would not work. Everyone would be dead. Uh, it, it's it's nonsense. Uh, if you want to correlate things which people do with you know, which don't have any outcome on anything, it'd be that breathing. It, you know. Well, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with that because well, mainly because you would have you would just have eradicated um, a chunk of my life that I spent <laughs> doing sports psychology, and uh, I worked with I, I did postgraduate um, uh, sports psychology. I thought that's what I was going to do with sports psychology. I'm a radio DJ, so so you were <laughs> it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I used to do stuff with um, a lot of bad, England badminton player, and I and, and I went through over time, went through this process where he he could never psychologically recover from a, from like a bad run of he would just spiral down and down and down. So I, we used to have this trigger and this breathing exercises that we used to do. I see JV's face is brilliant. He's, <laughs> you know, tennis players quite often when they, you, you watch, oh, we can't watch Wimbledon, which we'll be on at the minute, but quite often if you ever, next time you get a chance to watch some tennis, you'll quite often see a player have a terrible shot and then go and wipe their face with a towel or fiddle with some strings on their racket. And quite often that is actually like a centering technique to go, effectively, it's just a way that in a couple of seconds, you can train yourself to hit the reset, reset. button, basically. Is, mm. Didn't Gary Player have a red dot on his glove? Like I'm sure little, we probably did. I don't... That dot. So he could turn off, look at the dot and turn on. I mean, to me, it's kind of on par with, home, with homeopathy. But... <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe on an individual basis, uh, you know, you go through these processes and it maybe the team breathing, though, give me a break. I mean, if it was team breathing, maybe after every phase of play or, you know, when they all have to reset, but come off it. No. <laughs> did, you, did you see the other breathing news that came out a couple of weeks ago? Are the nasal uh, strips back from no, the 90s? Not, not the nasal strips. This was, um, it was a, a study into um, effective recovery from exertion. And it was when you're exhausted. So like, um, he was saying that putting your hands on your knees and hunching over is actually more effective than what, what I was certainly taught when I was playing rugby, which was... Open up your chest, stand, hands on your head. Up, yeah, stand, stand up, up lads, stand up, lads. Open stand your up, chest up, yeah. So I, I saw that and I saw loads of people saying like, oh, and I always knew it was like, I, like my instinct yeah. was to go down. And then I went for like quite a tough run a few days after that. And I instinctively found myself at the end of it walk like this. Because so, because I think it's been like taught into me. It, it's been ingrained into me so many times when you got to the end of a tough um, pre-season session and you're absolutely like 
out on your feet. And, and to tie in with what JB was saying, that, that you know, all this mental stuff's a bit like homeopathy. Actually, your body knows best, like, automatically. So automatically, when you're knackered, you just hunch over and your body's doing what it needs to do. Listen, to, so don't, don't get sucked into all that, all that rubbish, basically. I always thought the standing up was more to do with showing your opposite number that you are on your feet rather than you're tired. That's all, always what I thought it was. Oh, yeah, all those little 1% uh, edges you get. It was a, I remember, was it Ben Ryan? I can't remember which coach it was. One of the coaches at, one <laughs> oh, of the coaches at Newbury, one of the coaches at Newbury, his big thing was like run off the pitch at halftime, even if you're blowing. Wait till you're inside to show, yeah. to show how much you're blowing. Yeah, I think I, I think there is some sense to that actually. I mean, in some psychology, I, I don't mind psychology, which is there to degrade the opponent. I'm not <laughs> psychology like you know, let's all breathe together and feel our cheek or what you know what. <laughs> That would be the difference. Uh, what was the other thing I was going to say on the opening of the... Oh, yeah. So, apparently, the other thing as well, Joe, hands on heads. You notice that footballers always put their hands on heads when they miss goals. Yeah. Apparently, according to some psychologists, it's some... And I don't... It's some years since I heard this. So, if, if you're on Twitter and you want to post me what this really is and why I'm wrong, please feel free. It's something to do like a submissive gesture to signal to all of your mates that you messed up and therefore don't have a go at me. So you're acknowledging it is your mistake by putting the hand, the hand on, on your head showing your distress and therefore everyone will leave you alone. Mm. Any basis yeah, like, in that from your um, studies, Tim? Yeah, that, well, that's, that's more of a, a body language thing. But yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's just, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're signalling. that You don't need to tell, yeah, you don't need to bollock me, I know. Yeah, exactly, exactly what it is. Uh, back to Crusaders, though. Did anyone uh, notice that? Notice that uh, their line out? No. And now you can turn off for a bit here, Phil, because I don't think you um, you'd appreciate this. But they do some weird stuff in in the line. They they are they're so inventive. Like I, I'm not even sure it's legal. In fact, I'm I'm so sure it's not legal. I took a picture of a few of their formations and sent them to your brother Tim, uh, who I'm sure is sick of this now. Uh, <laughs> But they seem to all arrive late and then they come in and then they'll have two guys not in the line out and they'll start the movement phase of the line out from outside of the line. It's really, really interesting. So, as in, that's because you can only set up with one scrum half in the back, can't you? When you're at yeah. so any, any player, any player in the line can be within one meter of the line, I think. Okay, yeah. so they have two players who are really pushing their luck as to are they in or are they out. The scrum half generally stands at the front. So then you've got these two guys milling about. You're probably going to end up with eight men in the line at some point. And then as they sort of shuffle about, the scrum half peels around ready for his pass. It's very, very smart stuff. And this is the difference, I think, between the New Zealand teams and the Australian teams, who we'll talk about in a second. It seems to be the New Zealand team successfully retain the team identity and whatever philosophies that they are using to play rugby. The Crusaders are absolutely tireless in what they do. Everything is quick. Even the line-outs are quick. Um, the defence, people are sprinting off, um, sprinting off the line. They, they, they just never stop. The fitness involved in what the Crusaders do is phenomenal. But then, um, just if you're talking about the, the teams of a philosophy, maybe that's where Warren Gatlin's finding it hard because he's got his... Well, he's not, Warren Gatler's not rigid in the way he plays, but over the years, he has certain styles that he has leaned on, 
maybe he just needs like you know Jamie Roberts and Rob Howley. Yeah, well, who does? <laughs> uh, maybe, he's, maybe he's missing the attacking mind of Rob Howley because they're not scoring tries. <laughs> Simplify it. Dumb this down for me, please, Rob. Uh, he, has, he has managed to blunt their attack big time. Well, I'm not with, blaming him. With Cruden and uh, Damian McKenzie in yeah. there as well. So he's not it's like he's short of creativity. I think the problem is we don't really know what he's asking them to do. Um, it would it would stand to reason that he likes a little bit more of a blunt force instrument than maybe some of the other coaches. Uh, but we don't really know why they're playing like they are or what they've been asked to do and why it's not been effective. And also, coaching a club is very different from coaching an international team. I mean, Warren Gatland gets uh, you know complete a complete free reign when he's with Wales and was with them for 10 years. So he can really mould them to whatever to whatever he wants I think with this new job in with the Chiefs he'd have been wise if he's not already doing this just to let them carry on exactly as they were before and remember the Chiefs in terms of an organization when you want to talk about DNA the the names that have come out of there who have been good coaches in in their own right um the guy who just left uh Glasgow can't remember his name Dave Dave Rennie Jamie Joseph I mean there's loads of guys that have gone through the Chiefs so they obviously have a way that they like to play. And so, you know, Gatland is taking them in a completely different direction, I would guess. Yeah, and he, and he doesn't have a roof that he can put on at a stadium as well. That's going to have a massive impact. Does he not? Who does have the roof then? Highlanders, Dunedin is the... It's, ah. that's, that's undercover, isn't it? Or is it Invercargill? In Sorry, it's Dunedin. Right. Uh, call it the proper name. Tim's Highlanders. Tim's, yeah, Tim's, Tim's beloved. beloved Highlanders. Beloved Highlanders. Who did not do well. But no, just um, the, the, I just want to say, there were, there were two very contrasting games in Australia. I gave up on Brumby's Rebels because that was an awful game of rugby. The second half was okay. I mean, it just felt like, it did feel very much like Super Rugby um, Arturoa uh, a few weeks ago. Like They were clearly warming up into it. Yes, I would, agreed. It was the greatest game. It wasn't terrible, though. There was. Uh, did you like? Um, again, I only watched the highlights of this, but was it the first try that was the really nice little loop round interplay from the line out for the winger coming back inside? I was, I, I oh yeah, 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 yeah. We're off the line out winger inside. Yeah, right winger. Yeah, yeah. yeah the I first thought, try that was great. I, yeah, I thought JB, you would have been um, texting Tim's brother about that. <laughs> Probably. Uh, in fact, I'll make a. I'll make a note. Of it. <laughs> make a note. <laughs> uh, I will say this: Cora Betty, right, is so good just on his own. He, at, in, at, at points in this game, he is the sole reason that they are launching an attacking play because he has made so so much. He's caused so much damage to a defensive line. He's not only a winger; he's a winger that incorporates the running and line bending ability of someone like Louis Pickamol. I mean, he, he is that effective. <laughs> um, oh, it, it, it might be worth um, mentioning now. Just um, you reminded me with your Louis Pickamore reference. I enjoyed your interview this week, JB. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, young up and coming second row. I, I think I think he'll have a future in the game. Yeah, he might might be good, talented guy. I just I liked his reference of Louis. Where he was like, he's so strong and he's so powerful. And did you say? I think did you say he's so fit? And Laws was like, uh, yeah, I guess he's fit enough. 
Did I say that? No, I didn't say that. I think Law said he uh, he was really fit. I think he was actually he's fit enough. Actually, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's so strong. He's so powerful. He's so <laughs> fit. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed um, the like the relationship between him and Manoa because I always gathered gathered that there was something there. Yeah, that was good to to for him to talk about that because those, those two, when Manoa was in in his prime, when he was playing his best rugby before he went to Toulon. He was like a force of nature. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's an interesting, uh, interesting interview. So you can go and listen to Courtney Laws on the Rugby Dungeon talking about all things rugby and some things not rugby too. Mm. Edgy. Can I uh, can I just say that I think you notice from social media, from places like Reddit, from just generally the the interest in the Super Rugby AU was pretty much non-existent. <laughs> I think you're right, Tim. I think you're probably right. So I'm going to give it a chance because actually, you know, I used to love watching it and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But I watched the Reds versus Waratahs, right? And honestly, it was like watching Championship Rugby. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the names here. And I'm sure now, some... I'm just, before you go on, I'm just going to say there were some people that did pick up on you saying, um, uh, oh, New Zealand teams, I don't think they do very well in the Premiership. And, and, like the Blues, for example, Joe Marchant, one of the Premiership's best centres, is like third choice outside centre. Yeah, by the way, we'll have to talk about that uh, later because next week the Blues go, go against the uh, Crusaders, 10 past eight on Saturday morning. You'd be a fool to miss that one. That is going to mm. be di- absolute dynamite. Agreed. Uh, and I, I think there might be something, I might have been wrong. I think I might be wrong, particularly on the Crusaders after watching what they did, did this week. I still think Blues. No, I still no. What did I say? Did I say it about all New Zealand teams, or did I say it just just about the Crusaders? I still think that they would struggle in the Heineken Cup, big time. Do you say that more from a way of playing rather than personnel thing? Yeah, because I, I I can't I can I can understand why in mid December if they travelled to I don't know Leinster or Saracens or Claremont or Toulouse, that they might struggle in the pack. But if they get out of the group stages, which I'm certain they would do, and then they're playing in April, May in the knockout stages, uh, Crusaders and Blues on the way they're playing now would be right up there as contenders to win the whole thing. But Crusaders and Blues, I I, I think it's a little bit of a misnomer to say, yeah, just because it's dry, they're going to be better. Because when Leinster come at you or when Toulouse come at you with their packs, it's a different ball game. It's a completely different ball game because the men, the men are more powerful, they're bigger, uh, they like to keep it tighter, there's more focus on the set piece. Not that uh, Crusaders need any help with the set piece, but, but by the way, they were fantastic this week. I mean, genuinely fantastic. Um, but it is different, and I don't think they have the... Mind you, I say that, and they go to World Cups and beat up South Africa, and they play them in the championship. So maybe I'm wrong. But it, it's certainly my impression that if they were to play a Heineken Cup, it would be very, very tough for them. I think I do agree with you that, that there's a big drop-off as you go across the... I've forgotten the sea now, but you go across from New Zealand to Australia. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they do better, other than you know, retain the, the DNA in their clubs and, and whatnot. Is their, their key men seem to stand up more so um you know you watch the highlanders now the highlanders lost and they got battered but i'm pretty certain there were seven men on that field called shannon frizzell i'm pretty certain <laughs> it was a, 
five at Aaron Smith's. I mean, the, the key guys that New Zealand identify and keep around make just an enormous difference. I'll give you another one uh, who just is everywhere. Uh, well, who's the hawker for the Crusaders? Um, not Dane Coles, who Cody isn't Cody Taylor. Cody Taylor's amazing. Like, he's a little, he's not quite as dynamic as Dane Coles, but I think he's harder. I think he's a bit more of a Northern Hemisphere type. You know, the guys that they keep around seem to make a much bigger difference than the guys that the Australians keep around. Because I didn't, I didn't even notice that Michael Hooper was playing, frankly, for, for the Waratahs. So on, on the guys they'll keep around, like we, we spoke last week or last few weeks about some of the talent in the, some of the young talent in the outside backs who are playing like Mark Talea and Caleb Clark and Severy Reese and George Bridge. And the guy who is playing wing this week scored two tries. He's been playing fullback for the past couple of weeks. Um, Will Jordan for the Crusaders. Oh. I mean, of all those boys, they, you cannot keep that much talent in New Zealand. No, you like, can't. A, a, at least a couple of those boys are going to... Because they're all like... Maybe the oldest one's about 24. Um, when, at least a couple of them are going to be heading over to Europe at some point. So there's, there's some deals to be done there for European clubs. Well, you know, you talk about back three talent, and this is going back some years now. Uh, but Crusaders were busy winning everything. They came over to Wembley, and they... Not Wembley, Twickenham. And they beat uh, the Sharks 15 to one of the yeah. old games uh, during the Christchurch or just in the aftermath of the uh, earthquakes. Yeah. Now, the two wingers that day were Sean Maitland and Zach Guilford, yeah. who turned out to be quite good. I mean, they weren't, but I, I don't mean this in a derogatory way. I think they're both very good players. They're not world-class players. They, they, they would have aspirations of being all-black greats, and they, were, they never quite made it as all-black greats. I, well, I, they did make it as well. No, Zach Guilford did make it as an All Black, didn't he? Did he? I can't remember. I'm sure he did. I'm sure, no, he's an All Black. He's had a fine career in the Premiership and whatnot, but they're not, you know, the all-time great wingers. And I kind of think maybe it's more to do with how the Crusaders play, and um, you know, like I said before, that ingrained because, kind of, yeah, I've always thought about the Crusaders. I know they've had some great names, but whoever's in the Crusaders shirt tends to play well. And it doesn't matter if it's Dan Cars who's left and then some kid called Muonga steps up. You think, he can't be that good. And before you know it, he's starting 10 for the All Blacks. They just seemed so much talent. What an unbelievable... Oh, I can't remember who he put the tackle in, but did, um, was it Mwanga that put in just a monster hit? Oh, is oh. this the Reds versus Waratahs? When no, no, no. Sorry, you just mentioned Mwanga. But it just made me think. No, no, no. Carry on. Carry on. Yeah, so, yeah. so back to that. I think the... New Zealand has managed to not only uh, promote more talent, as we just mentioned then, or better talent, but they keep really important guys, whereas the Australians. I mean, the Reds weren't, but they look like a load of retreads. I mean, James O'Connor, I watched him for a, a, a little while at sale. He's not a 10, and he's not even a 10 now, you know. Um, uh, Waratahs, uh, it feels like this is basically a team from the championship plus Michael Hooper. And you, know, you look at the, you just look at them. I mean, I, uh, James Ram. Uh, did you watch him play? Uh, the winger. Yeah, he's actually really, really quite good. Like really good. Uh, and I was watching him play. I thought, yeah, he might have a future. But I thought, actually, I say he's got a future. I mean, he's he's playing in this game. It's, it's an okay game. Uh, but he looks like someone who's from the '90s who plays a, a you know, very, very high level of rugby, but also spends five days a week as a dentist. You know, and really, what he needs to look like is someone. Like Corabetti, who is an out and out thoroughbred professional athlete winger. And they just have loads of guys like, um, you know, they just don't seem to be particularly impressive like the New Zealanders are. Mm, well, it's, it's week one, but generally, um, 
having said, I'm really worried about rugby in uh, in England. Australia does at least make me feel slightly better because <laughs> yeah. they're about as bad as it gets at the minute, yeah. just in terms of administration and um, interest, money. I, I must say, Tate McDermott, the, Re- the Reds number nine is class. I thought he was really, really good. Um, I honestly, and I, you know, same with Super Rugby, the New, New Zealand version. Outside of the internationals, I, don't, I didn't know anyone, and I'm starting to learn some people. But on the Waratahs side, I honestly know one, two, three, three players. Three players. That, that, that's it. Remember, Warriors a few years ago had bloody everyone. Bernard Foley, Israel Flat. What happened to him? Hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, I remember him. He was really good. What, what happened? happened? Uh, but, uh, they could have picked Curtly Beale, but they didn't. Um, so, you know, I'm guessing they're rebuilding or something. I don't know. I've got no idea. But well, Curly Beale's off to France, isn't he? Yes, he is. I think, that's, I think that's why they might not have picked him. Yeah, Russian 92, he's going. I don't know when, when he's heading there. Because I did see him. Um, there's a picture of him having a few beers with uh, Gitto, Drew Mitchell and Adam Ashley Cooper that I saw over the weekend. So I'm sure that was quite a, quite a fun afternoon. Now, bearing I love mind, it. Yeah, bearing in mind that when those boys played, they thought that Australia were on a downward, a downward slope. <laughs> that feels positive, like a golden age, no? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, those boys guided them to a World Cup final in 2015. Yeah, you're right. Admittedly, uh, when everyone else was terrible. <laughs> so I'm just trying to think of the players that should be playing here. I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was all right to watch. I'll, I'll keep with it because I think it's only fair. I bet there's a ton of talent in here who I do not know about who will you know, raise their heads eventually because they can't all um, <laughs> not be good. Uh, so I'll, I'll stick with it and see, see uh, where it goes, I think. Just on, um, on retaining talent, did you see the deal that um, Bowden Barrett has struck? Uh, Around 800k? Yeah, it's somewhere in the region of 750 to 800k. Good for him. To go and Good. play for two seasons. So that's per year to play for two seasons in um, Japan. In the lovely some... short Japan season. Yeah. So he, well, he's not, he's not going to play for the Blues for the next two seasons, but he will be available for the All Blacks. Oh. Oh. How? Yeah. That, there is a deal with the All Blacks. Um, or the, the All Blacks have done a deal to allow him to maximise his earning potential, but still be available for them. So it, it does make me grin a little bit that um, so many players are signing Japanese contracts. I assume that they assume that they're going over for a bit of a dos, get a load of yen, eight hundred yen, eight hundred thousand yen, or whatever it is. In, it, well, it's eight hundred thousand pounds. Yeah, in yen, which is a lot of yens. Lot was of was yen. Bowden's eight hundred thousand UK pounds? That's the conversion. Yeah, it's, it's 1.5 million New Zealand dollars. Oh, my word, figure, per year. Which works out about, in the region of 800k, uh, GBB. I, I wonder if they're going to get a rude awakening. Like, you know, they've eaten too much sushi, they think they're going to stroll it. And then all of a sudden, they walk out onto the field and, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of boys like Bernard Foley or uh, Freddie Burns or God knows who... Retallick are, you know, yeah. and Whitelocker on the opposition team. Actual talents on the other, other team, like nobody told me about this. I thought I was just here to pick up the ends and go home, but no, I've actually got to work hard and play. You're getting smashed by Dwayne Vermaelen and Ibenetsabeth every game. 
Yeah, but it does feel like it's a lot easier to take hits from Dwayne Vermaelen and Eben Etzebeth when you're on the deck covered in mud and with a, with a rib that hurts. You just smile and think about logging onto your internet bank. <laughs> You'll be all right. Yeah, you, you ask not to be rubbed with the, like, the deep heat on the broken ribs, but with um, actual, a, 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 actual money. Notes. <laughs> Rub me with my money. Is that, a, is that a bubble that's just waiting to burst at some point down the line? It must be, surely, because that's not sustainable cash that they're throwing at Japan. And what are they? Are they getting big? Are they going to get... Have, they been, have the crowds been increasing? I know very little about Japanese club rugby. Um, I would say, if you want to know about Japanese club rugby, the journalist to follow on Twitter is a guy called Rich Freeman, who I interviewed for Rugby Dungeon ages ago. Uh, that's where I would start. Uh, the answer is, Tim, I don't know. I know it's funded by corporations effectively um and and outside of that i i, I don't know if Bowden barrett's putting together pho- like photocopiers in, in, in his spare time i honestly well, do not know well so it is worth mentioning that actually because he's not signed for the rico black rams or um one of those photocopy or car companies he's signed for suntory sungolias you mean makers of makers of the Strong, strong zero. If, yeah, if he ever discovers strong, strong zero, he's never making the rugby field. Well, th- this he's is not- my this is my fear, and this should all, must be the All Blacks' fear. If he's just going um, around uh, testing their products or trying to sell Suntory's products, and he you happens to stum- stumble across strong zero, it could be game over. Need doesn't need any assistance to be sold by a rugby player. But if he does get on that, he will just be missing games. He'll be missing family birthdays, funerals, wedding, <laughs> no, doctor's appointments, flights. So, strong, strong zero is a is an alternative to beer in a can. Very, very strong. Yeah, nine percent tastes like lemonade. Yeah, about a quid a can. Sold at uh, convenience stores. Sold at um, vending machines. And there's nothing else like it, Tim. So there are cans that look like it, and they're about 4% like strong lemon peach or whatever. Whatever reason it is, strong lemon zero, they've gone off the deep end. And interestingly, in most, most convenience stores, it's sold next to the sandwiches and the cans of Coke. You can either go for a can <laughs> or a strong lemon zero. and end the, the zero in the name, what are they referring to that's zero? Because it's clearly not alcohol. I think it's sugar. It might be sugar, actually. <laughs> Don't uh, forget, thank goodness there's no sugar, just the 9% alcohol. I assumed it was memories. <laughs> regrets. Zero regrets. Get on it. Go for it, Bowden. Uh, oh, God. So, yeah, good luck, Bowden. Right, let's, let's just work our way quickly around the other stories. So um, there's, there's a weird thing going on at Gloucester, having, you know, returning back to the UK, having said that there are several clubs in weird fluxes. There's, there's been stories this week about Wasps, financial issues deepening. Um, Mike Teague, though, a, a legend at Gloucester, owns a pub close to the ground, I think. Um, legend of Gloucester has cut ties with the club, apparently, and has asked for all of his memorabilia, which is around the club, back. His because son is one of the coaches. Was one of the coaches. He's left, isn't he? No, he's still there. Oh, he's Ooh. not good. Sorry? He was going to leave. That's what I heard, I thought. Rory T? Yeah. Thought, thought he's gone. I'm sure he's gone. Ooh. Has he gone? I think he's gone. Oh, I left. don't think so. 
a quick search on our favourite social media platform will discover. <laughs> I think he's part of the the new setup. Uh, he was talked about as a potential head coach. He's he was the skills coach last year. I think right. My unsubs. No. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to Google it first because I don't want to say anything about what I think until I know because it's not fair. Um, now, how would I spell his surname? T e a g u e. Let's have a look. Uh, cluster of news, teeth, something. Oh, no, nothing I thought he left. No, he's still there as a coach. He just didn't get the bit, he didn't get the big job that some people were touting him to get. Mm. I, which they have said, um, has nothing whatsoever to do with Mike Teague severing ties with the club. But, um, it's uh, it's just a strange one. It's, it's a weird one because Mike Teague is such a part of the the fabric of the the town and the rugby folklore and with his son being a coach it's just um i yeah th- i'd be interested if if anyone who is affiliated or connected with gloucester has any more e- wild speculation or rumor get in touch at rugby podcast on twitter and let us know your thoughts about it yeah, yeah. well i mean th- there is one tweet from uh, goody uh, and uh, seven hours ago that said, uh, hearing there's someone departing from Gloucester or uh, from the coaching ticket that will surprise a few people with what's been going on. Mm. So who knows? Maybe we'll join the dots in a day or two. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's nothing too serious. Hopefully everyone can put their handbags away eventually. Yeah. I, I think, I think I'm right in saying that, um, Dean Richards had, uh, had an acrimonious, kind of uh, split from Leicester as a club. Had, yes. he, had a, he had a bar in his honour and loads of memorabilia around the place. I So, yes, okay. So, they did have an acrimonious split. I think they're back on good terms now because the bar was only recently named after him, wasn't it? Don't I'm know. not sure. I don't know. Don't know. Anyway, it's, it's one to watch. There's a situation that is, uh, that is in flux, like a lot of things at the minute. Um, what else do we have? We covered off of that. Um, the county championship funding has been cut. That's one of the areas, as seems to be the case. There's a lot of things lower down the rugby playing pyramid that are feeling the um, getting the thin end of the wedge. And the county championship is such a great competition. Did you ever play um, for Lancashire or Lancashire? No, no, never played. That makes, that, that makes me feel better. So um, <laughs> he, w- he would have played if he was at a rubbish from a rubbish county. There are some counties that Phil would have played in. <laughs> like, Lancashire is a particularly good one. <clears throat> yeah. So the other week, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, re- re- remember a guy called Neil Briggs? Yeah, yes. I'm aware of his work. Yeah, aware of his work. So Briggsy uh, now coaches at Sale, right? Sale FC, and actually Sale, 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 right? Uh, but his work is mostly with, with, with Sale FC. And he played what he described as his first game of free rugby in, uh, what, 15 years? Because obviously he's been paid to play the game for so bloody long. Um, he played his first free game, and it was for Cheshire. And the reason was he got very annoyed with all the lads going over to, from Sale, FC, which is obviously a, a Cheshire club, all deciding to play for Lancashire, because they thought they were in, in with a shot with uh, in with a shot to win the champ, uh, the county championship, so he went and played for Cheshire. Or oh, Cheshire. <laughs> so it does mean quite a lot to players. 
Mm. It's great. But there you go. That's another little um, casualty of the, the lack of money that's around. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Round, and um just a final one to mention, and we, we, let's, let's not talk about this too much, but Exeter Chiefs are being lobbied by some people to change their branding of their team uh, because it's racist. Yeah, so I don't, yeah, obviously everyone knows what I think about this, um, so I won't dwell on that too much. Uh, well, they might, they might, we might, we have new listeners all the time, JB, maybe they don't. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a clear and obvious nonsense. Um, it's uh, you know I don't know why people persist with the idea that they must change the name because of course it you know it's going to solve all of the issues faced by the Native American community in America. It won't, but it's very important to some people for some reason. Don't know why. Now there is um, a bigger element of this, and it sort of came to my attention this week there, there, there are more than, more than a couple of clubs who are considering leaving Twitter and I thought this is a really interesting thing because this Exeter Chief story is not a real life story and what I mean by that is yeah the, yeah, the MP is on board yeah there's a Twitter account for it yeah there's all these other things but if you were to go to Sandy Park on a match day and you were to talk to all of the fans there this would be so low down on the agenda. It would be lower down than, you know, the price of parking or something. It's really not a concern that many people have. It's a made-up argument. It's a made, you know, the concept itself, the concept itself is made up in, this, in, in Twitter, which is why journalists care about, about it, which is why the MP cares about it and some busybodies care about it. But real-life people who suddenly park do not care about it. They never have cared, cared about it. And, you know, from my point of view, everyone... Um, who runs a club should take their club off Twitter because it's doing no good. You're pandering and you're not talking to your fans. So that I would recommend that any club thinking about thinking about coming off Twitter, and there's no, I know there's actually two of them, um, should just come off Twitter. It's just, it, it is pointless. You're wasting your time. You've got bigger things to do. There you go. Where'd you, where'd you stand, <laughs> Phil? I find it hard to to really get upset about this in particular, partly because I. I I don't think it's causing... I, I think it's causing offence to a certain number of people who want to get offended. I don't think it's causing any real harm. With that said, I did read a well-thought-through Twitter thread. Say what you want about Twitter. There are occasionally well-thought-through Twitter threads on this, putting the argument forward. And while I don't think it's actually doing a huge amount of harm, looking at the Exeter Chiefs logos, they're just a bit tasteless. 
So I wouldn't actually, I wouldn't actually have a problem if Exeter decides to do a review and say, we're still going to call ourselves the Exeter Chiefs because that is a, a good, solid, proud name, but just change the, the logos because these ones, they're, they're just a bit tasteless, maybe. Do you mean tasteless? It's just a bit naff. It's, it's just a bit naff from where, where I'm looking at this. And this is part of the reason why I, I don't think this is, a, this is doing any harm or intended to do any harm and actually isn't doing any harm. But the, the selection of the cheap, the extra chiefs name. I, I should it, say, if, if there is any new listeners or anything, <laughs> it's, it, we know they're not the chiefs. It's just, it's, it's a long standing joke. Long, long story. So, Plural yeah. of but the, knife, knives, etc. So chief thief, chiefs. Thief thieves. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, the reason that um, they are the Chiefs is intended to be um, complimentary. And they're, they're trying to um, pick something that is strong, brave, disciplined, whatever, whatever um, positive attributes you want in your rugby team. The Courtney said something on Rugby Dungeon, which I absolutely loved, which is I asked him, yeah, yeah, what do you think about uh, Swing Low? And he said, well, I don't really know the history about it, but I do know. And I'm paraphrasing, listen to the whole interview. He said something along the lines of, but when they sing it, I'm pretty sure they're not doing it to, uh, to, abu- to, to abuse me. They're incredibly proud, proud, proud of what I do. Um, and he's right. I mean, it's got more to do with the narcissists on Twitter that want, that, that want to be recognised and run Twitter accounts than it does about you know, any actual offence. When they selected this name, they did not do it to dehumanise or denigrate or anything. And they American people. No, and, and to be clear, the, the, the first team 100 years ago were called the Chiefs. It was like the Chief team was like the firsts. That was, that was what they called the first. Oh, really? Yeah, just that, the, mo- the motif they've chosen was yeah. of a na- Native American Indian chief. Yeah, they did it. Like the highest honour. The highest honour is to, you know, if they wanted to call their chief, the ex- chief uh, sorry, their, their team, the Exeter JBs, I'd it'll be all for it. They're not, <laughs> you know, they're not appropriating my JBness. Uh, they, they would do it because, you know, presumably they thought very, very well of me. And that's, what, that's why it is so stupid. So I have two big passions that I spend a lot of my time on. One well, is rugby. The other... The moon, moon landing denial. I <laughs> <laughs> the other is 20th century history. And if anyone wants a little rabbit hole to disappear down, I would recommend just read up on Maoist struggle sessions because there are echoes... <laughs> with what's going on at the moment spoiler alert it ended pretty badly so um <laughs> firstly like fundamentally i don't care what a private company does if they want to change their name logo or whatever it's none of my business just like the the color i paint my front door is is none of their business uh, what i do care about is kind of t- tapping into what jb said when decisions are made as a result of a tiny number of well-meaning people but who often have no interest in rugby and just have a really bad way of looking at the world so just entertain me for a second here um there's this because I, I mentioned earlier i did this postgraduate study in psychology and so i remember this critical race theory it was and um, in a nutshell critical race theory means looking at the world and you just see everyone you're either you're one of two things and there's nothing in the middle you're either an oppressor or you're a victim and that's it oh my and, God. and which you are depends entirely on the things about you that you can't control your skin color so none of that martin luther king stuff about um the content of your character that's all gone so these people that are coming up with it that are leading this movement that we're seeing which culminates in people calling for a a logo to be changed because it is racist they, they just see things through this really weird little lens 
and they see victims as poor and defenseless and they think this logo is actually causing harm to people and and so just to go back to it i don't care what exeter choose to do i just don't want them to do it because people that think like this have got their claws in but exeter if you do do want to change exeter negronis has a ring to it i think nice negronis that would be bloody cool that would be awesome i have actually um thought about this i don't want to talk any more about cultural appropriation or anything like that but i have actually thought about what is exeter famous for and well you were in university in exeter were you not tim i was so far, I've only really come up with like the scholars, which I know is a well-known one. So the well-known ones, you could only really use scholars, couldn't you? Because it's a, it's a centre of education. Um, I can't think of anything else. I wanted to do, I, I really wanted them to adopt tin men, but someone has pointed out that it's just not tinny enough around there. Like, <laughs> not barely enough tin mines, it's more Cornwall. Uh, hang on. Are they in Cornwall? They have them um, in Exeter. One thing that I know seagulls do this elsewhere, but in Exeter they particularly did this a lot. You would see the seagulls doing that little dance to get the worms up out the ground. You any patch of grass, <laughs> and there's just there's just seagulls doing this little hopping up from one foot to the other dance. So maybe the gulls. Exeter dancing seagulls. Exeter dancing seagulls. Very yeah. catchy. Exactly. Yeah, and 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 new too. New novel. The gulls. Oh, the, is there not gulls in Australia? The, is is it Brighton? Brighton, Brighton. The, on there. Is that their nickname? Oh, seagulls is their nickname. Yeah, the yeah, yeah the seagulls. But um, the but but the chief chief isn't a word that is only Native American Indian. Like Celtic, I imagine Exeter was probably Celtic at one point and had yep. chiefs. Keep keep the yeah. name. Come off Twitter. Do, in fact, Exeter are ignoring it. I think that's the right thing to do for the time they being. Are, There's no rush. Apologize. Don't do it. Don't apologise, don't explain, stay, stay off Twitter, don't take any questions about it and just carry on winning rugby games because that's all anyone wants you to do, win some rugby games. Good, I'm good, good. Not, I, feel like you, I feel like you should drop the mic and just walk <laughs> out of there, JB. Do you, do you want to talk about any predictions for next week's rugby or do we not know enough about it to predict? Uh, the, the only one that's probably worth talking about is Blues Crusaders. And uh, even, even, not even talking about it, just who's going to win. Well, you say not talking about it. I mean, I'm, I'm not at premiership level levels excited about this game. So, like, you know, if I thought Sale were playing, not Sale, that's a bad example. But, you know, there's a good, there's a good <laughs> premiership game on the weekend. Which is about- Sale, Exeter, top two teams in the premiership. You'd be excited. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't anyone, of course. Uh, but Crusaders Blues is a, I mean, this, this is going to be an awesome game. It's going to be awesome. Dynamite. Uh, I've got a feeling Crusaders are going to smash them. I think you might be right. Because I think they'll, they'll be aware of the blue soft underbelly. And when they expose it, they will go for the jugular. How do Blues beat the Crusaders? Uh, like, they've got enough talent. Um, they rely on the pack. I mean, in the pack, it's all about Tupelotu and um, Hoskins. So Hoskins Satotu. Future, uh, England, future England number eight, Hoskins Satotu. Yeah. Uh, in, in fact, to be fair, the whole back row are pretty tasty. But they seem to be very, very good individual performers, whereas the Crusaders are just this. It's very much... Crusaders are sort of like a very fast-paced extra Chiefs, in, in which I mean, uh, you know, the, the team is more impressive than the individuals, as impressive as the individuals are. And the blues are just star power through and through. Yeah, that's that's how I put it. Um, I mean, they've, they've both got a nice sprinkling of star power. Yeah, uh, 
yeah, Crusaders are going to win this one. I think they're going to win it big. I think it's going to be something like a 35-20 game to, Crus- to Crusaders. Give me Crusaders by nine. Crusaders by a score. Uh, by six. But I'm, re- I'm very much looking forward to this. Yeah, definitely. We see uh, the return of the uh, Western Force this weekend as well. Keep an eye out for them. Because oh, yeah. they've had a long and winding road. Yeah. With as many well-known players as the Waratahs. <laughs> does the honey badger still play rugby no but he, there was someone who looks quite a lot like him yeah it was who was he playing was he playing for the brumbies yeah. yes come off for the brumbies yeah he was de- but he wasn't decent enough to make it into our review of the actual game so <laughs> that's that's for him right come on let's go home yeah let's go home right um well, no, I'm not going to say where we are on Twitter because I don't care because it's, uh, it's, we are actually, we're actually not just saying it's a cesspit. We're saying it's a cesspit and staying off it. So hit subscribe. That's the most important thing. And please tell your friends, we are the rugby podcast that is there for you 52 weeks of the year without fail. And even when we are without rugby. So um, if, you, if you enjoy it, subscribe and tell your mates. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.